0: Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. Shelter Footycast live from Backchat Studios, that's the Southern River Band, we're not getting much of them at the moment because we keep getting copyrighted on YouTube, but that's okay, we're here, Mark Readings, Will Schofield, how are you Skater?
0: Uh, g'day Scoey, nice to be here and you've got the uh, the great man on your, on your chest, Daniel Ricardo, part of the Backchat Exclusives of 2022, mm. Big uh, plenty of stuff to talk about in sport and if you're going to break it down, it's the Jack Ginevan case, it's the Test Cricket. Disaster in Delhi. Uh,
1: there's a bit bumping around and lots of opinions on on both those subjects. Yeah, we're going to get right into that today. You can uh, watch us on YouTube if you are listening to us. We've got us filmed in all our glory. Skeeter's in a beautiful uh, linen blue shirt today. I've got no shoes on. That about sums up where, where we're at right now. Uh, you can listen to us as a podcast if you are watching us on YouTube. Shelter's summer of sour. Last week we heard Skeeter a little bit of bit, bit teased out a little bit more of what he thought about a sour, which. Sounds impressive, I think. He just starts growing on him. So I believe it is still summer, just February. Yeah, no, we've got yep. a bit to go. C- couple of Maybe a week or so to go. We're looking forward to getting down to Shelter in a little bit. Going to do a season opening down there, Skeeter, which is going to be good fun. That's going to be... I'm really looking forward to it. the long weekend. I've seen the, I've seen the itinerary, so we've got, um, like I said, I think we do have you out the front of Shelter uh, mowing the lawn, out there on the Victor Lawn Mower, we've got Skeet doing a jetty jump down at Busso, we've got Skeet, um, I believe skydiving out of a plane, uh, we're doing a one-on-one interview with the uh, uh, Lord Mayor of Busselton, I don't think it's Lord are you, Mayor. Are you going to just do anything to participate? Oh, someone's got to organise this Skeeter. Oh, we, got a, we got an autograph table down there just for Mark readings, life-size No, no selfies, just autographs. <laughs> well, would you like to do some selfies? No, I'm happy to. So,
0: again, okay, I'm looking forward to because it it's Bustleton's beautiful spot. I haven't been to Shelter for, I reckon, 12, to eighteen months.
1: So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good down there. Shelter Born and Brewed in Busso. Make sure you get online and check out their uh, Summer of Sour. There's plenty of prizes to win over there. Let's get right into it, Skeeter. I think we jump straight into the Jack Ginevan uh, suspension and um, probably more broadly the illicit drug policy surrounding that. Um, have you seen this sort of develop over the weekend? I've got some specific thoughts about the drug policy, but also how this has actually eventuated with Jack doing an exclusive with Channel 7 over the weekend.
0: Well, that's just another um, tangent altogether, isn't it, the way that unfolded with Mm. 7, and really interesting on that front. It's it's one where Darcy Moore's come out this morning and and said, look, it's it's a grey area for the players. So automatically that makes me think this has to be – Looked at again. I know the CBA with the, the players are reviewing the whole policy, and that that will be um, formulated at a various stage of this year. Being filmed in the toilet of a Torquay hotel—I mean, it's pretty poor form from Jack, obviously, for taking drugs. In my opinion, he's a—you know—surely there's enough education. Mm. be obviously, the the perpetrator or the person who who took those images. As to how this plays out, now, I guess, having listened to Eddie McGuire speak this morning, I, I, I totally get the point. When this policy was talked about, and he was president, I think he was 33, and a lot of the presidents, when he was um, starting his journey, were a lot older. He said there's a problem with drugs, with recreational drugs, and they didn't quite understand it. But, of course, given his age bracket, he knew more about it. And back then, of course, there wasn't any evidence via phones, which is now very much an issue. Uh, Shane Mumford, Bailey Smith, now Jack have all fallen foul of, of that. Other people in the community will say, well, you shouldn't be taking drugs. If I got caught taking drugs, I wouldn't have a job tomorrow. Mm. I, I think that'd be the case for, for a lot of us. Yeah. So if there was a simple answer, going, I, I guess we have to lean on you, to be honest with you, with what you've been through and, and what you, you have uh, seen in the football industry to maybe explain to us um, whether the policy works and whether
1: it needs changing. Yeah, it's a complex issue, isn't it? Um, before we get into lucid drug policy, I did just want to touch on the coverage and how this is actually eventuated. So, uh, Jack Gitterman gets filmed uh, doing drugs in the toilet. That's happened. We now know that's happened because Jack's confirmed it. I haven't seen any footage. There hasn't been any footage around, but yet Jack is rolled out on Channel Seven with a, a Channel 7 Melbourne with a an exclusive report, and there's there's two grave-looking reporters that introduced a story that there's another, there's another reporter with a microphone Didn't in them, yep. Jack's face. Then there's another reporter doing, you know, like a like a colour piece down at the Torquay Hotel. It was, I think, a big blow-up. Um, for me, it looked like Channel 7 had the footage. Someone sent them the footage. It was being flogged around, apparently, or certainly offered to networks. Obviously, there's...
0: I'm not saying a blackmail, but there's, there's certainly... Well, there's an
1: agreement being done between the Collingwood Football Club or Jack Ginevan or both and Channel 7. Hey, if we come and give you an exclusive, you're not necessarily going to release the footage. Because stuff like this, footage just goes rampant. And I certainly haven't seen it. I haven't been looking that hard for it. But, you know, the Bailey Smith stuff, that was everywhere. Everyone could see so that. So
0: 7 essentially is saying has bought the footage off whoever it was. And have agreed not to distribute
1: it or not to release it. Is that? that we well, wouldn't have a clue if they've bought it, but if someone sent it to them and then they have it in their possession, and then they go to Collingwood and and, and, and media organisations do this. Of they, course. they they go, hey, we've just we've come across this footage, and whether that be West Coast or Freo or anyone, we've got it. We're obliged as a news organisation to run this story. Would you like to be involved? I believe that's how it, how it happens. Yeah, I'm just a bit confused. As you
0: say, if he wasn't actually. Vis- visual in in the footage, which no, I, I no, believe no. was the case. Well,
1: correct. But it's, it's more, it hasn't been dis- distributed socially. So I, I just find there hasn't been that much chat about how this is being covered. I, I just found it really bizarre. There's not many pl- things like that where the players coming out saying, oh, yeah, that did happen, yet yeah, there's no footage attached to it. And you've got these, it's like it's a funeral being presented on Channel 7, you know, Jack Inovan's confession, I don't know. I found that quite weird. But let's get into the actual Hmm. crux of the issue, which is the illicit drug policy. He hasn't been charged um, specifically under the illicit drug policy because he didn't test positive to um, drugs. Now, he's been given a strike, but he's been charged with being filmed doing drugs. Duck, unbecoming, is that how it sort of Yeah, so under? I don't think that's necessarily under the illicit drug policy. The strike that he's received has, and, and that's meant to put him on due warning, but he hasn't tested positive under the illicit drug policy. So the illicit drug policy was something, uh, like you said, that was introduced in the 2000s uh, in an attempt to um, mitigate the risk of... an issue that was, you know, rearing its head and they didn't want to get it out of control. The AFL put their hand up and the illicit drug policy is administered by the AFL. It's not, you know, you you see the Willy Rioli example. That was through WADA. Now, that was an illicit drug, but that was through the performance-enhancing drug policy which is Wada, Asada, which is now the um, Sports Integrity Australia, and that was a match day that, testing. It, no, that was during that was during the week. Oh, during the week, it, initially yeah. it was during the week, and he uh, you know did whatever he did with his sample because he thought it was an illicit. Anyway, that's not under the illicit drug policy. That's the performance enhancing drug policy. They're different things. So the illicit drug policy is administered by the AFL. They created it. Mm. They administer it like they test for it in order. Is it a public relation policy? Is it a player care policy? Um, Asking those questions to myself. I don't know if it's either. It's certainly the AFL trying to do the right thing. I don't have a better solution than what they're currently doing, which is a three-strike policy. They aim to keep players confidential. You know, if, If players do test positive to drugs, they try to keep those... Names away from the public, at least initially. Yeah, but the argument coming from a lot of clubs going back a long time is that
0: they, as in the clubs, are kept out of the loop so when a player strikes, and therefore the support network doesn't come. Now, are you the club doctor that? knows? Yeah, that's one so, person.
1: Yeah. So my understanding under the policy is the club doctor will find out under the first strike, um, and that's to help the player make better decisions. Uh, it's a health based policy. Second strike, the club CEO finds out, but the club doctor also knows. Um, and then the third strike, and, and there's some there's some fines and suspensions related around that second strike. The third strike, we believe, after having a bit, bit of a look around, uh, we think it's a 12 month suspension. Um, the CEO find, yeah, CEO already knows. You know, third strike. Uh, you know, we we haven't seen a, a third strike, certainly not recently. Anyway, and there's been rumours around players third striking, but there hasn't been a public Third striking of a player, because oh, yeah. because the AFLPA have been incredibly strong around protecting the mental health of players. Now I know people listening will go, mental health—that's just something that gets rolled out around illicit drugs, and I can't really argue against that.
0: No, and the original element to so it. I mean, Bailey Smith used it, and Jack Ginnivan previously spoken about it. So I'm not dismissing. That and but also not linking the use of drugs to mental health. So I think there's sort of you have to be careful of, of trying to put the two into one.
1: That example is a good one though. Just looking at the way uh, the situation's have been handled, they're quite similar. You know, there was a video of Bailey Smith. There was a video of Jack Inovan. Bailey Smith, um, whether it was um, I don't want to say a tactic, but whether it was uh, the mental health element. Where that fits, I do think there is a mental health element to drug use. But where that actually fits with Bailey, only Bailey would know. You and I can't really discuss where that would fit with him. But Jack has effectively come out, said, that was me. I take responsibility. I want to get better. I don't want to do the wrong thing again. He's clearly sorry he got caught. I've had some discussions over the weekend. Oh, he's, not, he's, not, he's not sorry he did it. He's sorry he got caught. Of course he is. If he was sorry he was doing it, he wouldn't have been doing it in the first place. So he's done it. That's that's a fact. I mean, he's, he's said he's done it. You know, it's 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 illegal. So the fact when you make the decision to do it in the first place, I, I, of course he's not going to be sorry he's doing it. He's doing it in the first place. Oh, I said on
0: radio this morning that I would, I mean, I'm just saying it without having evidence, apart from when Jack's come out, but AFL footballers over summer, not everyone, not some, probably a small minority but we're doing drugs. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's, a, that's
1: just going on society on the numbers, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, it is. Um, the the devil's advocate, the, the, the alternative to that is, well, don't do drugs. And you're, you're a professional athlete. You paid a lot of money. You paid a lot of money to play football, but also be a role model to young people. So doing drugs goes against both of those things. It doesn't help your performance as a footballer, and it doesn't, certainly doesn't set a good example f- for young people,
0: so talk me through. And again, I'm, I'm a bit, I guess, different generation. But so the reason these young players are taking the recreational drugs, if we want to call them that, illicit drugs, is because if you're drinking beer, albeit, shelter tastes great. But the the, the component of you know the skin folds, which I know aren't supposed to be talked about, is it is it that reason that the players historically have have taken those drugs because obviously the it's a, there's a euphoria that comes with it, but also the the lack of body fat that, that comes no. with no
1: nothing to do with that? I I'd be very surprised if it was body fat um that was leading people to take illicit drugs. Um as opposed to drinking. Yeah, I I'd be surprised if that's okay. if that's a thing. I, I, I would say um the population of AFL football is eighteen to thirty four year old uh men in the men's comp, women same thing, same age group. That's a risk taking um age group to start with. You've got to be a risk taker to be a professional athlete. Mm. And um that's in most times a good thing, you know, that you have to you have to wanna to beat people, you have to be competitive, you have to push things to the limit. And when that when that flows into off the field, you see circumstances that, um, you know, because of the public public eye of it, decisions get made like this, which I'm not gonna sit here and defend it.
0: Um, because they're trying to explain it, so we're trying to to understand it from my point of view. And, and again, maybe mm. I'm. But we talked about Bailey Smith, Jack Ginnivan, and even going back in time, Ben with cousins with being the the poster boy, having that adulation at a young age. I don't know if there's any, any link, but those sort of guys, Bailey Smith, he, his, his profile went through the roof. I just, no? I just
1: don't think there's any correlation between being an AFL player and doing drugs. There's a correlation between being a young person and in a certain age bracket and some people doing drugs. like mm. that, that happens. If you're going to sit here and deny that people of a certain age um, who are out drinking inebriated... Don't do drugs because you paid a lot of money. It does. It doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. There's enough education,
0: though. In, isn't in fact, it,
1: pro- it probably goes the other way. It's it's a higher higher risk for AFL players because they're getting paid money. They have the expendable income. Um, they're and, out
0: and they're so disciplined for no,
1: yeah. nine so, nine months to so the year. They're binge drinking, yeah. right? And so, I just think it's an environment that lends itself mm. to to those sort of activities. So, is that the right thing? It's certainly not. No. It's 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 in no way. Um, Condonable, like you can't actually condone it. But does it happen? Yes. You can't. You can't sit here and close your eyes and think that um, 850 people in that age bracket who are high risk takers and high income earners don't do drugs. It's not going to happen. So, the way that I was asked about it yesterday, and I hadn't really thought about my answer, it just sort of came out. Was um, we had someone call in six pr, and and he was a he was a father of children. He was a coach of young young players, and he said it should have been a, a longer suspension two weeks is just a slap on the wrist like what are we actually doing here I couldn't argue with that it's not how I feel like I I can't say he should have been given a 12-week suspension because I don't I don't that's not my impression but I can't actually argue against it because I can see from a coach of young people and a father that you want an example made out of people that are in the public eye but that's not how I feel I I, I said and my response was if you're going to be teaching and talking about this sort of stuff with young people and whether it be your children or whether it be people you're coaching, I think there's a lot, unfortunately a lot of bad shit in this world, right? And there's a lot of mistakes you can make. And if you're teaching and coaching and talking about don't make mistakes, I think that's a difficult road to go down. That's not just drugs. That's um, in any any situation out there for young people. There's a lot of situations they have to wade their way through and they're probably going to make mistakes in life. I personally will be trying to teach my children about when mistakes do happen they do the right thing right and don't break the law and don't do drugs and all of that of course but if things happen and you do um do the wrong thing it's it's for me it's about how you handle yourself can you take responsibility can you learn can you be a better person like all of that, and, and it might sound like I'm being soft if we apply those things to Jack Inman. Like if we, it, it might sound like I'm being soft, and I, you know, ex-player looking after him. But I genuinely, I, I think people are allowed to make mistakes. I, I think you and I've been doing this a long time that pe- people are allowed to stuff up, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone does. And so, so what? What is it? Do we just? punish more and more and more no, and that no. gets it out of the game or people or society. Is that no, what is that? No how you real, do it? But but look
0: the caller I think I agree, the caller's point is, is very valid. And if you mm. said to the caller, would a six to eight match suspension being more in keeping something that is I mean two weeks as it two matches as it stands, I know there's the the practice matches which you can wipe really mm. and there's there's a fine element involved. Five thousand dollars suspended which means nothing. Nothing. So I, I think it's skinny. And I'm not saying you should give the kid life, and it should be education. But I think the public, I think, wanted to see, wants to see if if that's a two week suspension for that. Albeit he was photographed, and he's not, he's admitted to it. Yeah, I, there,
1: there's a question I think that needs to be discussed about
0: the length of penalty.
1: It goes back to Eddie McGuire's point though. If you okay, let's go, let's give him eight weeks, right, for being videoed doing drugs, and he's admitted to it. Yeah. So do, so don't do drugs. Yeah, right. That fixes that. But if there are other instances of this, Eddie McGuire has a point. If you're an opposition fan, if you're someone who's who's got that in you, just go hang out in some toilets down in Melbourne, find the Collingwood boys, see if you can find someone doing drugs, video them, hold it to prelim final week, or hold it to the the round before finals. You know he's getting eight weeks. Oh, I I know I agree. make it may, may, makes it a different, you know, very, very interesting environment. How many times briefly before we wrap
0: it up, how many times do you reckon you were drug tested on a given year? Um
1: <clears throat> illicit drug policy probably four to six. Um and that's inclusive of post se- post pre season. It was pretty extensive, six times a year, which is, you know, every once every eight weeks do you ever uh, this is a bit like me when I'm driving through an RBT and you,
0: you know you haven't drunk anything all the time all, all I, I all still time. get a sense of anxiety
1: about even, illicit uh, drugs are a pretty easy one you know if you've done them or not no no right, right totally performance enhancing ones Peter Bowl, mate you <laughs> like, and, and, and the illicit drug policy is, a, is a, it's a local testing gr- it's, it's administered by the AFL ASADA WADA If you have anything in your system, if you've had a milkshake that's got a little Mm. bit of EPO floating around, (laughs) it, God forbid, see you later. You know, and your reputation's a lot worse than if you get done um, doing a line in a toilet at Torquay pub. So, look, there's a lot of, there's a lot, you know, we can probably go on about this a lot. There's a lot of risk for AFL players. There's these policies they have to abide by. Um, Is there a better solution? I I don't know if there is, because... I, I don't rule, I would never, not at drugs, anything, I don't rule by the stick. You know, I don't put the boots in. I think people are allowed to make mistakes. If Jack Genovan, um, in three weeks' time, gets videoed down at the Torquay pub it is He the the toilets, to get a decent mate, whack. 12-week tw- tw- him, suspend him, because he, he hasn't learned, he, account- he hasn't shown accountability for his actions. That's when you can sink the boot in. But if people do something the first time, I just, I, I don't know what an eight-week suspension does there. Uh, no. other, other than send a message,
0: Does it send a message to other players, or you still think they make the same blue? I, I don't know. No, look, and you know what? It is... You don't have the answer. I don't have the answer, but I think it's a discussion that I think is worth having. The greatest mm. thing about this segment is I haven't heard Travis Kelsey come out no, of the world, but It's been very... Get
1: your finger off that. This is right <laughs> in my realm over there, Daniel. Uh, it's been a good chat. Anyway, I don't know. Good luck to Jack Inman, to be really honest. Um, Even like to a good kid, as I
0: said, I, you know, I've got... 22 year old daughters tomorrow actually uh, happy birthday girls happy they, birthday girls yeah the twins they don't do drugs I mean when I say that I'm pretty confident but yeah. they're, they're, they're up, up class you know they're, they're upstanding citizens that being said you know you just for, for his parents and he looks like a, just a someone you'd want at your footy club But that's why right. way if, if he was available to, to mm. a WA club tomorrow do you reckon what's happened in the past 24 hours would stop you taking no, it no absolutely not No, no in fact in many ways I think you know
1: what it's a Kicking the backside—he probably needed that. That will be that will be a good, a big way to finish this convo. How he reacts to it? Does Mm -hmm. he become a better person, a better player? Does he make the same mistake again? Does he does he go on to be captain of Collingwood? Like that will, you know, time will tell whether or not this is a good punishment or or not a good punishment. If if it's too lenient, he probably makes the same mistake again, or someone at Collingwood does, or another player does. And the proofs in the pudding, probably.
0: I tell you what, he's also going to cop. Given the public nature of it and Collingwood, and the sledging he's going to get just through fans, it's it's a, he already cops it, doesn't he? No, he does. I'm saying he already cops it. He, um, yeah, he knows what's coming his way. He's, you know, you do the crime, you pay the time uh, in a public sense, and he's going to be, he'll be asked
1: a few questions uh, by, by supporters moving forward. Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, shout a FootyCast. <laughs> WA, let's go back into footy over here. We were in our realm, but we, we're staying in footy. Fremantle and West Coast, intra Club's been happening. Um, oh, some exciting news. Mark Reddings, Will Scove, are going to be calling a game on Thursday. Got, um, Friday
0: even. Yeah, I'll we'll do Friday. You can perfect. do Thursday if you want. I'll perfect. be a to go. Is it Friday? Middle Resources Park okay, Friday. Yeah.
1: perfect. Uh, West Coast Port, is that right? Yeah, you got the two clubs right. Yes, <laughs> That's
0: good. It'll actually be good fun. We're looking forward yeah, to Yeah, I'm just a bit worried. Of, you know, when you haven't done a game for six months, you oh, get a little
1: yeah. bit... Uh, Anxious and obviously some new faces. How do you go with prepping for? So you're going to be play by playing. I'm going to be special comments for people who don't know the the way that they work. Special comments is a lot more shit talking than the uh, than the play by play because play by play you need to know every player effectively. Which is uh, in my world at the moment it is is tough. Well it's, well, it's hard to know Port Adelaide young players, right? There's 44 guys on the list. There's probably 10 new guys that you've never seen thanks. before. Yeah, thanks for saying. <laughs> Completely. Well, how, no, I don't think it's interesting. Like, how do you how do you actually got? Do you use binoculars? Do you, you deb- how do you do your? No, I definitely.
0: Binoculars. What I might do is have a look at a game on uh, on the AFL website of Port Adelaide from last year, oh, yep. and just just go. Through. I mean, you get to know the the you know core eighteen or twenty, but there's going to be a lot of new faces because of mm. the, the, the intra club nature of it or the the practice matches. There's nature. probably like
1: twenty eight or thirty guys playing, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's going to be a lot of high rotations and players out of
1: position that you ordinarily wouldn't see. So you do Colts, um, yeah, uh, PSA, yep. So. If you can do a Colts PSA game and you're calling kids, yeah, but you from still
0: get, still get, I still get, I'll be anxious on Thursday, Friday, just because of the early in the season. You think, oh, can I do this? I was putting mm. the washing out yesterday. I thought I'm actually <laughs> worried about this because, and I'll tell you, I'll give you a quick example of of difficulties calling um, footy when you're not across it. I did the Foxtel Cup going back oh, half, half a dozen years. That ago. That was like the state league, yeah, state yeah. league. Yeah. So there'd be times like I'd go to we'd go to Darwin. We used to fly around the country. Would be myself. Ben Dixon, Adam Romanowskis, uh, Barry Hall joined the group. So you can imagine us. So we, the Saturday morning was like nine o'clock in Darwin was like a match between the, the, the Northern Territory Sharks and, and the and the Queensland Buffaloes, whatever it's called. <laughs> For argument's sake. And, maybe the other around The Queensland Sharks and the Northern Territory Buffaloes probably makes more sense. Anyway, so you're up there because it's an AFL match after that and Fox just keeps their crew there and that's right. what happened. So, of course, what, what happens on the Friday? I mean, I, I try and do my homework. On the plane going up, you're staying at a
1: casino, were not you? No,
0: we're staying at a nice resort. So what we do is, I went for a run, and then after that, got back about two p.m. I don't think we. Didn't have five minutes. We weren't having a beer in our hands from then until about midnight, and because everyone wants to fight Barry Hall when he's out, even though he's a nice guy, and you know, got got on really well with him, and and Dicko's a funny bloke, so we were having a ripping time. The, the only downside to going out from about four in the afternoon to midnight or one o'clock when you've got a nine o'clock game is in in Darwin. If you've played, have you played there? Yeah, there's a fair bit of humidity, yes. and so when you've got hung over, going to the ground with a suit on. It is a very long three hours. And when you don't know any of the players, it's an absolute minefield. So um, it was a good experience.
1: You can't lead on Barry
0: Hall and Dicko. Who are we talking about here, Baz? Yeah, they were out there sweating, doing their sort of hosting stuff. It was good fun, but geez. And then, of course, when you're flying home, you've got a two-hour way to the Qantas Club to get back to, to Perth. What are you doing there? So you just... Get on it again. By the time I got back to Perth, my wife said, you look like you've been on a 12, 12 to 14-hour bender. I said, I, I couldn't like, couldn't argue.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. There's the ins and outs of what it's like calling a game in the AFL, that's, that's going back a bit. And that's a pre-season as well. Yeah, well, well indeed, sort of. Sort of. Um, let's talk about what's happening here in WA. Fremantle had an intra-club match um, from all reports, quite good. They had it, quite a few guys out. Um, Sean Darcy didn't play. Brennan Cox didn't play. Brayshaw didn't play. So uh, they're missing quite a few guys. This intra-club game is the... I think I spoke about it on, on Friday. It's the first game where you do a real prep. So you, Monday would have been reviews and they would have had a really light Monday. They had main session during the week, probably on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And they, but it's not you're not trying to get gains. You, you get, Gains are over. So... Um, They'll they'll be able to top them up during the season. It kind of um, your your work rate and workflow looks like an up and down graph, uh, but realistically, they've got no big peaks anymore in terms of their work rate. They're they're tapering for games now. So last week would have been the first week. I think the players would have been excited to get into that period of time. Um, so all those players missed. Um, Caleb Sarong was apparently best on ground, which very close. Um, did you see it? No, no, it's a very close to best on ground. Just the numbers, I mean, Jager O'Meara, um, I'm told, 25 touches and looking really good. Um, Fifey plays forward, so I think that's very much confirmed. He's not going to spend much time in the midfield. Might Maybe come up there if there's a contested... Sean Bergoin used to do it for Hawthorne. They used to speak about it. So the guys we've had through the footy club at West Coast, Adam Simpson, Sam Mitchell, um, guys that had seen what happened at Hawthorne, they used to... um, I think they called Sean Berger The Freak. And they used to just, whenever they needed to win a centre bounce, he would go in there. So who was Silk? Um, no, Silk, Silk, Silk. Same thing. But they okay. used to call him Freak because they just knew if one centre bounce had to be one, if you had to pick your three guys, it had to. he was in it no yep. matter what. Yep. And I think Fife could be that guy for them. They need one centre bounce one, and they need like a power player need to go in there and get a contested ball. That'll well, That's the only time Fifa will spend in the middle of the ground. Like he's not going to be roaming around in the midfield, is he?
0: No. Although we we don't think he's.
1: Yeah, I'd still like to have that if it's forward. He's not playing mid, mate. He's At all? Playing, no, he's not playing mid. No, he's not. He's not. Tra- he's not training as a mid. They, they won't. They won't train him as a forward and have him kicking go- a thousand goals after training and play him in the pre-season as a forward and then come to the start of the season go, you know what, it hasn't quite worked, we're gonna put him in the middle. So, so it. you are if they're
0: if they four goals down or three goals down at three quarter time against St. Kilda in round one, he's been playing forward, it, hasn't hasn't had a huge impact, is that the time to I think you've got to
1: back it no, I think you gotta back him in. You, you can't look, forwards don't dominate games every game for every minute of the game. It's not how forwards work. so especially for someone who hasn't played a lot of footy there in the last ten years I just, I think it'll be poor by Frio to go, you know, two weeks in, three weeks in, or it's not quite working halfway through a game and put him in the midfield. I think you've got to give him four, five, six weeks, pure forward. Just, you're playing forward, maybe you come in for a centre bounce, but otherwise, if you do that, you piss off forward again. It'll just, it'll it'll mess with his confidence. And you've heard him speak about his time as captain and as his time, the mental strain that that has. It doesn't matter how good a player you are, it's still all mental. Like, the good players are just stronger mentally and and it's still tough though. Mm. So oh, I think if you're throwing him all around the ground, it doesn't give him the opportunity to dominate as a forward. And as a forward, you know, you might have three quarters in the game where you don't, you know, may not touch it or you you, you just you know, your, your marks are just off, but you, you leave him in there for one more quarter and quality players like Nat Fife get on top of their opponent. So I'd just be very surprised I, I do I agree with it. Um I think I've come around to it. I was very much Nat Fife midfielder but, and I think he was too, mm. right? But it's oh, changed. Yeah, yeah. The, the one area he's got to tidy up, and
0: it's it's you know obvious. Even though he's a dual brown medalist, his set shot kicking hasn't been yep. as good as. I mean, we can take a mark from anywhere, so it's just that that polish I think that is required to give him the confidence. Maybe that you know it doesn't have to be
1: kicking five one every week, but if he can kick, you know, four two, yeah, four two. Or mate, if he can if he can hit the scoreboard three times a game, yeah. Whether it be look, mate, if it's three behinds, one goal, two. He's kicking th- two goals ago. Yeah. That's that's a game. You know, mate, if he's, he's kicking two goals a game. That's a highly successful year. Totally. Forty plus goals, take that. Jack Ginneman a small forward a bit. Correct. Forty goals last year. that Fife won't be the key player down in the forward line either. He he should be the third tall. They they should have a Josh Tracy, they should have a Matt Tabener. And and Fife is the third guy. He he shouldn't be their number one forward. And Jackson, of course. And, and Tabiner. Yes, I said Tabana. I oh, sorry, sorry, Tabner, Jackson. Jackson, Tracy, Tracy. I, yes, I, I think those three guys—they're the main guys—and Fife is your, your ace in the in the hand. A bit. I, I think they're very much like Collingwood in the fact that they just
0: have to create more pressure from their forwards. They're not going to have the the as you say that that key forward to kick fifty goals. I don't think plus, which just sounds not much, but in the modern era, that's that's a, a bit. So I think yeah, I think they're trying to spread the load. And, they,
1: well, they're they're talking about spreading the load. They're going to have a lot of depth. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to have they're going to have nine guys. 10 guys to choose from in the forward line because it's sort of one of those forward lines you can kind of just plug and play. But, but unpredictable, isn't yeah. it? Which is good. Which is good. Um, you know, of course, you've got Schultz down there who's, who's, who's a gun, small forward, but you're going to have guys down there, same as their back line. They're going to have guys that, like Nathan Wilson apparently played really well mm. in that. People forget about him. He's a good distributor. Yeah, good distributor. He's, he's a good runner. He's quite a good leader, actually. I was surprised my time at Peel. Um, I didn't have that opinion of him as an AFL player, but down as a waffle player, he's good with his voice. He, he he you know has a bit of a bit of flair in him bit bit of that white line fever when when the game needs something to happen he'll, he'll try and make it happen sometimes it gets you into trouble at afl level doing that you know trying to take the game on too much but i think he's a really good player and look he, he's going to be that guy that's bashing the door down every week and I, By the
0: fact that he's played a lot of footy at peel the last couple of years yeah and plays I well i don't know
1: what his attitude is
0: like but i tell you what he's he's just He's in a position where I thought, you know, easy to drop your head and just play some crap footy. Yeah. When you're playing waffle, when you came back to Perth. Older. Yeah.
1: Well, it's <laughs> yeah, crap. It's yeah, that it's is difficult. character testing. Yeah. So he's he's good. He'll be. I think it's fair to say he'll be he'll be right on that. Seven eighth defender. Yeah. Um, whether or not he, he makes it in first round, he's going to have a good pre-season. If he does, stay fit because that's what you're, stay fit. But a lot of footy injuries. But over a hundred games of AFL footy. Um, mm. I'm sure he has. So um, there'll be interesting thing at Freo. What about down at West Coast? So they had their best versus the rest uh, as well. Um, supposedly younger players played very well. Campbell Chester played on a wing, kicked a couple of goals. Um, Ruben uh, Jinby was very good. Apparently, Elliot Yo not a young guy, um, but he's apparently. Midfield, little bit of half-back. That triangle is happening. Uh, I guarantee it. Jinby, Yo, Shuey. And Shuey is going to spend a lot of time in the back line. I, I, I think Luke Shuey is a f- full-time backman this year. How do you feel about that? Off-half-back. Well, that's... Yeah. No, but if you're an opposition team and you see Luke Shuey, you'd be trying to drag him deeper, I think. Mm. Wouldn't you? Yeah, we'll just... Uh, th- but, uh, even He'll the be th- their
0: distributor. Coming out of defence, yeah, yeah, but as you said, uh, when it came to playing alongside him, when mids went into defence, he was one
1: player you could trust. I think you'll be just surprised at Luke Shuey's defending ability. I think he's he's got the well, all, all you needed to do to be able to defend Half a contest, yeah, yeah, and you just need to not want to be beaten. And everyone runs around out there not wanting to be beaten, and in certain circumstances, um, I think I think Dom Shade can defend, but Dom Shade's probably a good example. Gun contested ball winner, gun stoppage player, hates getting beaten, but you get him backward of the footy, and he's just not natural. It's not like Josh Kennedy, highly competitive, hate getting beaten as a forward. If you put him in the back line, it'd be like having a blindfold on, running around, he's got his sticker. He would not know what is going on down there. He He wouldn't make a fist with his hand, whereas Luke Shuey... I think I think it's a good move by Adam Simpson, really good. Now, let me ask you this quickly. We've talked about forwards at, at Fremantle, at West
0: Coast. We know Darling, Williams to a lesser extent, given he's young and going to be out for a while. They're short on tall forwards, and we know Oscar Allen's got a bit of a hamstring issue. Tom Barris has been trialled in attack, and we know he's very good overhead, and he's, he's kicking again. He's probably... his goal-kicking, should I say. is probably something that needs to be refined. He's a backman. He's a backman. Mm-hmm. Can I throw is it t- absolutely out of possibility, and by the sounds of it, 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 given Simpson hasn't played him forward, is Jay McGovern, is there any scope for him to, to play as a forward in, in times of trouble?
1: From what I've seen and um, what I'm hearing, I think Jeremy McGovern's going to have one of his best years of AFL footy as a backman. I think they won't touch him. I think okay. he'll be their centrepiece as a backman. I think they, <clears throat> they realise they've got pretty good depth um, as, at key back. You know, Josh Rotham's not a key key back, but he can play tall. Harry Edwards, they're liking his development. Um, Rep Bazo has continued to develop and, and, you know, obviously absolutely horrific circumstances this preseason, and they'll give him time to get back into the footy club. But as a footballer, they really, really like what he does. So, <clears throat> ipso facto, I think they've kind of gone, well, Tom Barras, he was our best player last year as a, mm. as a backman. As a backman, that's, what so was, that's my point. It can be dangerous, but I think they think maybe they can more so the government keep up skilling younger guys to do Tom's role and lock down defender guys and maybe Tom can be a swing guy. That's their logic. Do I like it? No. I, I think Tom Barras was their best player last year and I think same as Nat Fife at Frio, you start throwing blokes around and it's all good in in theory. Tom Barras great contested mark. He can kick a ball. He can he can lead as a forward. afford. His intensity's you watch him as a forward, he's, he's, he leads hard, he hits packs, he's, he's what you want in a forward. But he's a backman, and he's your best backman, he was last year. So, I, I don't know, I can see exactly what they're thinking, but I think if you take it back to the player point of view, and, and as a player, it's difficult to execute two, two roles. You know, you go all the way back to Adam Hunter and the swing man, and you've seen Jeremy McGovern do it at stages, there's just not many you think about it, there's just not many guys that play in the back line and then go forward. They try to do it with Darcy Moore at Collingwood sometimes. And yeah. you know, I just I don't know if it works more often than it doesn't. I think you got you've either got to be a backman or a forward and you know, maybe with the game on the line you can swing someone. I, I, I remember I remember think might have been John Todd throwing
0: Peter Swimmage, certainly back in his, as in defence and Swimmer wouldn't know what he's. Swimmer's a
1: Josh Kennedy, great forward. One of the West Coast best.
0: Maybe but I, I'm sure we play a little bit of time in defence for West Coast. But you're right. It, it, I think we want to see, and I'm sure the club wants to see, options if, you know, Darling... You know, take Darling and Oscar Allen. If he's not fit,
1: mm. one of those two, you, you've got a, you issue. to issue. That's what they're thinking, right? Yeah. So if you didn't have both of those guys, Tom Barras plays permanent full forward Yeah, um, to give them an option. And then they'll they'll have to bring in people underneath. So it probably specifies a bit... That that is a little weakness of the West Coast Eagles is that depth at key position. They'll probably continue to look recruiting there. I mean they have with Williams and Bazo and those sorts of guys coming into the club. But they went you know heavy on midfielders. Um, Long was very good in the preseason. Again, he, he'll play round one by the way. He, he's he's a lock forward pocket. No, you've been yep. bullish about him for a while. Um, there you go, West Coast Frio. There's an update. Will Schofield, Mark Reddings, Shadow Footy Cast. Right, let's get Travis Kelsey out and have a look at the cricket, shall we? Um, oh, maybe for you. <laughs> did you watch the. I've, I actually watched most, a, a lot of the first you know, bits of the play, and then I actually watched a little bit the, the last parts of the play. Oh, y- <laughs> Go on. Give know it to me. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I watched more cricket than I usually do. <laughs> I did. Okay, I can promise. But tell us, Skeeter, what bloody happened?
0: Oh, dear. Um, Let's be honest. India. Over there, very tough to beat. Uh, they've got the two best spinners in tandem in the world, possibly two best bowlers in tandem in the world, even though they're spinners and uh, Ashwin and Jadeja. Jadeja taking seven for, um, we were one for 60 heading into Saturday. Well, but, you're sitting beautifully. Well, yeah, Travis Head opening, David Warner, your mate. And let me just, just let me challenge you on one point. About th- two or three weeks ago, you said, no one cares about Test cricket. And I went, Yeah. I- Guess what? Sounds like mate. Guess what? If you have a look at social media, uh, you text yeah. me when one. The, the fact that well, there's so much criticism
1: and talk, well, people care about it. They care. They don't uh, like it. They
0: don't care. They, don't, they care about
1: test cricket. People want heads, mate. People, want, people, not Travis Head. They want. They want. All well, the selectors.
0: Selectors have, have got people rattling, and so too with the, the shot making of the Australians. They, in, in short, they tried to, again, neither have supplied. Top-level cricket. They, they tried to use the sweep shot as an option against the spin. Now, Indian batters over there during the match very rarely went to that method. They used their feet where they're possible. And, but we the, the modes of dismissal, almost like it looked preordained to try and take on the Indian spinners as opposed to maybe a sound technique defensively. But they were very intent on
1: sweeping. It proved a disaster. Did they take a... Uh, team hat trick, India. It, didn't didn't Pat Cummins come out to a team Hattrick and go the slog sweep? He went a slog sweep, but uh, bowled first ball. at right. the I'm, team Hattrick. I I, I I think it may have been a team hat trick. Either way, well, I'd, well, I'd, I'd like, walked outside at,
0: at one point. I thought so disgusted they lost quick, nine for fifty. Quick dart outside. I, didn't have any <laughs> <laughs> nothing on that nothing on that front, Sky. But thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for throwing that up. And I might just get you back one day on that front, <laughs> you wanker. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so I turned away and I was looking. I thought this is a team that is. Um, just not playing the subcontinent. And let's be honest. I'll mention there are two spinners. We had two spinners on debut in this series. Mm. Uh, Nathan Lyon bowled really well in the first innings. Um, but, yeah, our batting was horrendous. And we, There's only one change we can make for the next test, which is about 11 days from now. It's Cam Green comes in, Yes, replaces uh, Matt Renshaw, who I do like but just can't play spin. He's got no idea. Um, <laughs> top of the order. I don't think Warner's going to be available, so you're probably going to stick with Head and Kawaja. But really, put it this way, on the match was lost on Saturday when AXA and Ashwin combined for a massive partnership. And their average in the Test Series is more than Smith and Labochon. They're our two best batters.
1: Look, you know I don't know about cricket, but I know about team sport and I know about tactics and I know about coaching. And momentum. They, they all exist, right, in cricket, I'm assuming. To You can't tell me the Australians can't play spin because uh, 12 overs in the to go in the second day they played spin they were 1 for 60 and they looked good against spin the, the indian bowlers weren't bowling poorly they were making chances so that's a mindset change that's not a that's not a australian can't play spin change day 3 to go out in an hour and lose 9 9 wickets or whatever they lost for about 20 runs that's that's mindset that's like application yeah, that's, It's also a technique they're not yeah, they're not bad bat like not they're they're not great
0: against spin, and that that look, it was a tricky pitch. Um, and at the end of the day, we paid the price for not having. Um, and Mike Hussey spoke about it, Alan Border as well, about times to attack, times not to. And we we just didn't play Test match cricket. I mean, it's I know five days for you is boring. That match, two matches over in three days. Mm. We we had to bat time and just get ourselves two hundred in front, not up to it. We're no good over there. We haven't, we've won once over there. In fact, they had, the last time India got beaten in Delhi was when Hawthorne with Dermot Brewerton in charge in 1988 knocked over Melbourne at the MCG in the grand final. That's how long ago. What's that, 12 plus 23, 35 years. So not many teams win there. Let's put that into context. But we were shite and Pat Cummins. Um, yeah, I thought he was weak after the match, the way he sort
1: of said... "Oh, you know, Why does he always come across as weak? Because I agree. Why I'm is saying, that? Yeah, it's, that's probably hard. It's, it's not It's, it's not a not weak. persona. Yeah, but it's, he comes across as very deflecting. I don't think he gives a lot in the media at all. But. You know
0: what's what's wrong with him coming out and saying yesterday that was unacceptable from an Australian cricket team. Our batting was poor. My shot was, poor. you know what? That's what people want to hear. Mm. And and be a little bit honest. You don't have to say, you know. Um, Matt Renshaw,
1: for instance, no good against... You don't have to be specific and publicly pot one of your players. Or well, to argue to be the other side of this. Maybe he doesn't care what people think. Maybe, maybe he just wants to get into the media and he just wants to feed, yeah. him, feed him a bit of love and then maybe I, behind closed doors he's harsher. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of footy coaches are like that as well, as you know. But anyway, we it's are great. no good over in India.
0: We've lost the bought it Gavaska trophy again and um and done Indian commentators love it. I mean they seriously we reckon we're biased, which we are. It's, it's like it's a it's love like, in every time colleagues near the ball or it's like
1: oh. they celebrate. See, I love that. I love their fans. It's bloody no, great. Their fans are great. Cole, golly smacks a single or not even a single he just smacks it to really, They go mental
0: yeah. and they're not even drinking
1: they don't even drink out there. They might be vaping a bit but that's about it. Yeah, they can't they can't <laughs> buy beers at the stadium. We've had a live back chat reporter um, who's been at the stadium and we, we get an up every time he's on a tuk-tuk back his, to his hotel to get a beer because he can't get beers at the stadium you and I wouldn't last long with no shelter you've got to go to work I'm going to find some shoes to put on for the day we're done and dusted shelter footy casting find us on Instagram give us a follow over there watch us on YouTube um, the the feed that I've been talking about not working still so you've, you've found us you've listening to us but when a new feed comes up We'll tell you, we'll you what happens. Just watch it on socials. We've got know. technical issues at the moment, Will, apparently. Yes, I think, uh, talk about gremlins getting into the system. Mark Reddings has officially <laughs> taken over the socials for uh, the footy cast here on Shelter Brewing. Uh, there you go, shelterbrewing.com.au. You know what to do. See you next week.